BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. I see the fun. I see the fun. The Diary of Jack Kirkman. I seem fun. The Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 281. Ugh, I'm already fucking stressed about Christmas, you guys. Um, I This episode is going to be called How Is Your Year So Far? We're going to talk about that I'm already stressed at Christmas. I got really angry at Mick Jagger on Twitter, and I caught some backlash because I think it's a mental illness to have a kid at age 72. I'm going to talk about stuff I don't want to talk about. I'm going to talk about my newfound willingness to possibly date after many years, um, which will lead me to someone from TMZ asking me out at the airport, which will lead me to um, a listener email about her year and the epiphany that I am going through about everything. I think we'll start funny. Maybe we'll end sincere. So, Here's what's going on. I'm already stressed about Christmas. As you guys know, it's my favorite time of year, but I'm starting to wonder if that is no longer going to be my identity for this year. Um, as you know, I start decorating, or if you don't know, I, I have a lot of new listeners, I assume. I start decorating on October 31st, and I always have reasons for this because I'm on tour and I go visit my family back east. And if you itemize the amount of days that I actually have with all my decorations, it's in the area of 20 to 30. So if they're up for 60 days, I'm home for 25 to 30 of those days. And I like it and it gets me going. And I live in Los Angeles and it's usually very hot that time of year still. And there's something about it that brings the, I don't know, it brings a sense of we're restoring, we're 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 getting calmer. We're we're slowing down for the year and everything looks pretty. And I always say, if you're depressed, put a Christmas tree up in your living room, no matter what time of year it is, and light it. And it's I just love it. Lightness in a time of dark. I'm always screaming that. But I think I may have burnt out. And I also want to tell this is for my old diehard listeners. Now, don't go spreading this everywhere because I don't know what I'm supposed to say and what I'm not supposed to say. But I did sell a pitch to the Hallmark Channel for a Christmas movie. And for my longtime listeners, you know that that's like saying, I mean, I can't even give it an example. It's like saying I'm going to go to the moon. Like it's, it should be, it's thrilling. But um, how the process works is how everything works in show business where it's actually very, um, boring and drawn out and I don't mean it's boring I just mean like there's no exciting story to tell you it's like I pitched they said great we'll pay you this much to write the outline if you get to write the script you get paid this I said great <clears throat> let's do it so I might not even end up being the one that writes the script or I write the script and they don't make it into a movie you know it doesn't mean a movie is happening that I wrote it just means the usual thing that happens um, I hope I've normalized the business enough for you guys that it is just a series of efforts and 
98% of the time things don't get made. But I have a feeling, since I'm going to be ass deep in writing that, that I might already be annoyed with Christmas by the time it comes out. I'm too on the inside now. You know, I've jumped into the fucking snow globe. So, but I feel like I'm turning 45 in August, which is not, and I'm not an age person. I'm not a, oh, age, that's, but I'm starting to be because when the insides of your body start doing things, you're like, oh, I guess I am aging. But um, I just feel like, do I want to go back and spend time with my family? I can see them any time of year. You know, we we have airplanes. Do I want to just keep doing the same thing like I'm five years old? You know, I don't live there. If the people that live there, of course, hang out with your family on the holidays. But I don't live there. And I'm thinking I want to go to Iceland. And I want to go to Reykjavik during that week of Christmas to New Year's. I feel like it's fun. It's where people are. I, I, I don't know. I just I'm having a calling that that's where I'm supposed to be. Or that I'll go see my family Christmas Eve and I'll fly out to Reykjavik from Boston Christmas Day. We'll figure it out. But I'm getting a calling that I need to be away around Christmas. But I'm I'm already stressed thinking about it because I don't know how my year is going so far. And that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. It's April. We are four months into the year. It was just tax season. It's quarterly. Uh... It's qu- I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. It's quarterly. <laughs> like, suddenly an accounting podcast. Welcome to the quarterly. I'm here to help you with your finances. So uh, what I'm saying is it's f- the first four months and now we we have uh, eight months left. I'm not making any sense. The first quarter, <laughs> we, it's three installments of four months. That's how a year goes. April and then we'll check in with ourselves again in what, August and then end of the year. So this is oops, I just spilled coffee. So this is what this is what I wanted to check in about. Oh, you know what though? I'm doing it out of order. So I'm thinking about my year and like, okay, I don't know what's fucking happening this year. I don't know what my jobs are. I'm I'm pitching a bunch of different shows. I'm on tour, but the tour is like all spread out. It's like for some reason, that's just how my agent booked it and the venues and the availability. So it's like, I thought I was going to be on tour from January to May and then off. And it's like, now it's like extending all through October. It's dripping and dribbling. And I, it, I just spend way too much time promoting. And what if people show up? And what if they don't? And I just feel like I'm in the middle. Like, I'm not in a relationship. When's the next one coming? I'm not in a steady job. When's the next one coming? I'm I'm not in like a tour mode. I'm, I'm back and forth. How many people are coming? What am I doing at Christmas? What am I doing with my life? I'm turning 45. What's that going to look like? I'm just waiting. And I feel stuck. I feel not enthused. I feel just on a grind treadmill every day. And I have the same conversations with people I run into. So you're on the road a lot. No, I'm not. I'm not. I just promote all the time. I'm on the road three to six days a month. It's not that long. Um, But I'm back in LA. I quit my job in New York so that I could be where I live full time. And I'm actually doing things. I'm working through some stuff in therapy. I'm doing stuff for my neck. You know, I have neck arthritis. I couldn't move my head forever. My back, I, had, I was a chronic pain person. And now that, I'm going to tell you that that is actually going amazingly. But we're going to talk about this at the end of the episode. We're going to wrap up with what I'm learning and what I learned. And it's going to be very posy pause. But first, let's talk about Mick Jagger. So, Mick Jagger has this heart heart issue, right? He's got a, a let me just make sure I've got he had some kind of he had to cancel the tour um because he had to have heart surgery. And he is how old is Mick Jagger? He I think he is 74 right now. Um he's on the mend after undergoing heart surgery. He had a heart valve replacement surgery. Yeah, he's 75. And you know what? He looks cool as shit. Like, I hope I look that cool at age 75. And I mean, I don't look that cool now and I'm aware of it. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with going on tour in your 70s. I'm not one of these people that's like, ah, oh, they said they retired. Like, what are they? The Grateful Dead? Get it? They're dead. <laughs> I, I don't have any of that uh, hackery in me. But what I thought was interesting, that the man has eight children. And one of his kids is older than his current girlfriend. 
One of his daughters is 33. His current girlfriend's 29. Okay. So I'm going to be fully honest. I think it's a mental illness to date someone that much older than you. And I think it's a mental illness to date someone that much younger than you. And I'll give you an example of what I mean by a mental illness. When people ask me, oh, you chose not to have kids. I go, it wasn't a choice. I'm not wired for it. It wouldn't dawn on me to have a child. It wouldn't dawn on me. There's some, And I don't think that that's quite normal. I don't think it's bad, but like the human instinct is to reproduce and I don't have it. I don't, I wasn't like raised with the wiring that caused me to desire a family. I wasn't raised with the wiring that made it like seem all that like interesting to have a kid. I mean, it just didn't interest me. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people like this. I'm not saying you're mentally ill. That, that's not what I'm saying. But it's, it's, a, it's definitely something in your psyche that's not quite right. And I would put dating someone that much older and dating someone that much younger. There's something in your psyche that's not quite right. You're looking for something, but you're not going to bother looking too deeply for the thing that you need. So you will just take an arm candy, or you will just be like, whatever, I'll date him. He's in his 70s, but it gives me an identity and there'll be plenty of money after he dies. I mean, both people in this situation, I think, are a little off. I don't know if I'd be able to have dinner with them and act like I think this is normal. I think about my dad. If for some reason my dad and mom split up and he's now 80 and he brings a 29-year-old home to Christmas, and as a six-year-old, I think, and you know, he's like, yeah, and and he has a six-year-old kid because, you know, I'm just doing the Mick math. So Mick is 75 with the three. All right. So let's say my dad was 75, not 80. And he, and he brings a 29-year-old home to Christmas. And he's like, she's pregnant. I think it would just look bizarre. And especially because my dad is not a rock star, it's like less forgivable because he doesn't look, you know, two pounds thin in this really cool outfit. He looks like a dad, you know? I mean, for better or for worse, he kind of looks like Donald Trump at the, at the omelet bar at Mar-a-Lago, you know, like just like a dad. And and not that Trump looks like a dad. I think he looks like a sea monster. But I'm just saying when he was in his sweatshirt and his hat and uh, that kind of expression on his face at the omelet bar. And so I think we would look at that and go, what happened to Ron? He had such a beautiful wife and family and, you know, we get it. Things didn't work out. They, they divorced. But, gee, you know. This is really a cry for help that he's dating a 29 year old. Like, what is she like wiping his ass and, you know. And and uh, it's it, it's just weird. It's just weird. But it's normal because it's Mick Jagger. And again, as I said in an episode a couple of weeks ago, when Keanu Reeves was helping all those people after the plane that got diverted, and he was reading reading to them on the bus that the two hour bus ride that they had to take because the plane got diverted. I thought if he wasn't famous, people would think he was insane if he just started reading to people that you don't know out loud on a bus. Can you imagine you're on a bus? You don't want anyone talking to you. You don't want to hear anyone else's things, right? Imagine a kid playing on an iPad without headphones and someone just goes, I'm going to read facts about Bakersfield to you because this bus is going from Bakersfield to Burbank. You'd be like, no, that, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, though. What a freak. But if it's Keanu Reeves, you're like, please do anything. And I agree. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that is a, a condition of celebrity. So anyway, Mick Jagger has his heart thing. They cancel the tour. OK, great. Everyone on Twitter is like, oh, my God, I hope he's okay because the tour. I hope he's okay because they're going on tour. And I'm like, how about you hope he's okay because he's a fucking two-year-old who who might want to know their dad, you know? I mean, not everyone lives to 100. So, like, you're already at – you're in the last 25 years of your life. I don't mean to shock anyone, but most people don't live past 100. So you're in the last 25 years of your life. I don't know that all those 25 years he's going to be rocking around in leather pants and like feeling good. Maybe it'll be really hard for a 10 year old to watch. You know, I don't know. You know, I know when my grandparents were getting old, I had my parents who were my parents age. They were the age that parents are and they still seemed old to me, but they were young. They, I, I knew I could see the cycle of life and then I would see my grandparents and they were like a wrinkly version of my parents. And I would say, oh, okay, this is like elderly and this seems like a long way away from my parents, but I can see my parents. Like, I saw the cycle of life. I saw my mom's eyes in my face when I look in the mirror. I saw my mom's eyes in my nana. But it's like we were all generations apart. And when my grandparents died, I was really sad and I was really shocked when I was 12 and my grandfather died. But I wasn't like, 
it it was one step removed and it was like well you know he is a member of my family he's at the primary support and i was more sad for my dad who had to watch his dad die and i'm sure that must be tough right and so but imagine if your dad is also like your you don't even have grandparents i mean maybe on your mom's side you just have this dad that is technically grandfather age and so i i just was mad at culture that day. Like I'm just sick of the old guy, young girl thing. And so I, I don't know what I tweeted exactly. I I didn't think it was overly controversial. I certainly didn't say it's a mental illness. I just said Mick Jagger is not giving his kid a chance here. You know, I think it's sad and irresponsible to have a kid at that age. Oh my God, the backlash. I got more backlash than Donald Trump gets on any given day with his tweets. Uh, I mean, it was mainly men, and they were love. Men love to point out the other side. Well, the woman married him. Yes, I get it. But if you think that that's your argument, do you think you're going to get the next level that I already I already knew that was going to be your argument? And you're not going to understand what I'm about to throw down to you, which is like that's internalized sexism and the patriarchy. And I mean, no one wants to hear that. And then I said patriarchy, and then there was this young male comedian who got all mad and was like, I hate these feminists who always say patriarchy. It's like we didn't want to be feminists. We just want to be people. We feminist means you believe in equality. The reason there needs to be a feminist is because there's no equality. So it's your fucking fault. You don't want feminists, then fucking make equality. Don't have a patriarchy. Then we won't need anything, right? If if we really want to get philosophical about it. So this young comic was trashing me. And I was like, this is another example of sexism. Like, I'm way more successful than him. I could tell a bunch of people, this guy's a sexist asshole. Don't book him on your show. Watch out for him. And he doesn't care. Like, it's not a threat to him to be a dick to an older successful comedian. So that to me was an example. It was just like the world was a toilet that day. And then I looked up that Keith Richards, Keith Richards agrees with me. He told the Wall Street Journal, mix a randy old bastard. It's time for the snip. You can't be a father at that age. Those poor kids. And I put that on Twitter. I said, Please go off on Keith Richards. Nobody did. Isn't that interesting? I wonder what the difference is between Keith Richards and me, except a ton of talent and like he's clearly indestructible and like very cool. Besides that, do you think the difference? I don't know. Could it be? I'm a woman. Could that be the difference? So nobody went off on him and they were like, so what? What's your business? And I was like, I didn't say it was my business. Then we get into the philosophical discussion, like what's my business? I'm like, well, nothing's technically my business, but I'm not... You know, I think it's okay to tweet about a news article. I'm not, this is where it's not my business. If I'm like, I am so fucking stressed about this Mick Jagger thing. Okay. I think he has an apartment in New York. I'm going to go through, um, I, this is it. I, I know some people in New York who own, I'll ask them who their real estate agent is. I'll take the real estate agent out to lunch under the guise of I'm going to buy property in New York. And I'll say to the real estate agent, Hey, who's the real estate agent that sold Mick his, his penthouse in New York city. Oh, um, Sally Jones. Thank you so much. And I call up, Oh no, that's not a phone call. That's a, that's knocking on the door. Bring Sally Jones real estate. Is this Sally? Yes, it is. Oh my God. I can't believe you answer your own phone. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, they say that rich people are rich cause they're cheap. So I don't have a staff. It's just me. I answer my own phone. I do everything, but I also do sell penthouses to, you know, the likes of, well, I can't say, Oh, you really, it's a secret who your celebrity clients are. Well, yes, it is. Unless they want to announce it. You know, I have to keep it secret. Well, I'm good. And then I go into my thing. Well, I'm good friends with Mick Jagger. And she'd go, Oh, and I say, well, Mick told Mick gave me your number. This is me. This is me. An example of when it would not be my business. And this is, you know what I mean? It's my business to tweet. The man's too old to have a kid. It's not my business if I were to get involved into his life this way. Oh, well, you know Mick. Well, that's great. You know, we're having a little soiree at his uh, penthouse next week. I'm sure you'll be there. Oh, yes, of course I'm going to be there. Um, What's the address again? I always forget. My iPhone just deleted everything. You know these updates. Oh, I feel you. Again, I don't have a staff, so I do everything myself. So I, I'm always confused with my iPhone. His address is 424 Lexington Boulevard. Wonderful. I will see you there, Sally. And then I show up at Lexington Boulevard. You know, I'm knocking on the door. <laughs> the doorman opens it. He's like, you don't have to knock. This is like, a, I'm like okay, I didn't know. And then, uh, you know, he's like, what floor? And I'm like, um, the Mick Jagger floor? And he's like, Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm here for the party. And he's like, all right, I'll let you up. And so, you know, ding, he lets me in the elevator. I get up, I'm at the party. I see Mick in the corner having some drinks. You know, I don't know where his kids know where in sight. 
He's with his young girlfriend. And I go up to him. I go, hey, you, old man. What do you think you're doing bringing a kid into the world at this age? You're too old to maybe be around for him. And, and, and then he could be like, it's not your business. How'd you get into this party? And Sally would be like, oh, my God, who's this woman yelling at you? And I'd be like, she'd go, I recognize your voice. Hey, you called my office and said you were a friend of Mick. He'd go, she's no friend of mine. I don't know her. And Keith Richards would be in the corner like, I agree with her, though. And Mick would be like, shut up, Keith. And go, it's not your business. It's not your business if I have a kid. And I would say, you know what, Mick, you're right. I just broke into your home, crashed your party, and told you what to do with your life. It's not my business. However, when it is my business, is as a cultural commentator, as a comedian, if somebody's releasing to the press that they've canceled their tour because they old, it's my business to comment that you're also maybe, if you're too old to go on your tour, I don't know, maybe you're too old to have a kid. So then all these, then we get the Twitter police. Are you saying people with disabilities shouldn't have kids? Are you fucking out of your mind? No, I'm not saying that. First of all, <laughs> what, what? How, the, the, the way people can personalize things, like I have chronic blah, blah, and they told me that I shouldn't have kids because I might not live another 20 years. I'm like, that's fine because you're still the appropriate age to have a child and life happens and people have chronic blah, blah, and they might not live that long and you deserve to have a family and, and whatever you, you, you and your spiritual deity out there decide t- together, um, Whatever your God wants for you, to just put it simply, is fantastic. And the kid has grandparents, because I assume you're of an appropriate age where your parents are still alive. And blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying anything about people, but people love to get in on that. Oh, I'm going to burn her with this. And it's like, and that's how you just deal with those people. You just go, yes, I I was saying people with disabilities shouldn't have kids. I mean, eventually you just have to agree with them because that's all they want you to do. (laughs) But the thing is, then other people were like, this is, I found very cynical. And this is where people are fucked up because you can say all day long, I love that celebrity. They're so down to earth. They don't act like a celebrity. Or what is this celebrity culture? Kim Kardashian just takes pictures of her butt all day and she's famous. But but all these, I bet all these people that have all these, say all these types of things are also the same people that are saying what I'm about to say next. Everyone said, the kid will be rich. He's fine if his dad dies. And I was like, Wow. That's fucked up. So now because Mick is a persona to you, you know, he's he's a rock star. He's Mick. He's fine. We don't treat him like my dad at Christmas with a 29-year-old. Because Mick is sort of a concept to you, now the kid is a concept to you. The kid is someone that's going to have a great life. I mean, will the kid have a great life financially? Yeah, probably. But Mick also isn't married to the woman. I don't know what kind of setup they have. Um, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure he's not. But I don't know. I don't know. I've heard he's an asshole. So I don't know. You know, I don't know what their deal is. But um, so let's say the kid is set up financially for life. He's fine. Okay, but maybe he hates being a celebrity kid. I mean, I just listened to an interview with Frances Bean Cobain on RuPaul's podcast. And she was like, yeah, it's really hard. I'm friends with Carrie Fisher's daughter because we're both like, you had crazy moms who were famous. Great. Let's be friends. And there's not a lot of people she can trust because she is rock royalty's child you know it's like being the daughter of elvis and imagine mixed kids kind of the same thing and you have no idea if his life will be easy or hard because mick was his dad but the one thing we do know is, is if, a da- if his dad dies before the kid turns 10 he technically won't have a father and maybe that would have been important to him now are you saying all families need a man what about two lesbians no i'm not something to do with gender It's just that there's a parental unit that is missing. But maybe this kid won't even know what a parental unit is because they weren't brought up that way. They're traveling here. I don't know. I'm not. Listen, I'm just saying you can't assume someone's life will be easy because they're set up to be super wealthy. I mean, have you not? I mean, look, would anyone say Baron Trump's life is going to be great? He's got plenty of money. That kid is sadness personified. I see his little face. And I've never, again, I said at the beginning of the episode, I don't want kids. I want to raise Baron Trump as my own. I want to take him and go, I I know this isn't like the best situation for you, but I think it might be better than whatever you're doing now. Like he doesn't live in the White House. Like he's with, and I've heard that he has like learning disabilities and he might be autistic. So he's in special schools. I still don't get like why you can't live in the White House 
because you're autistic and going to a special school, then you go to your special school. I'm sure DC is great. I don't know. I just, it's because him and Melania are secretly, were divorcing when he won the election. And that's why when they won, she started crying. She was like, I, I, no, this wasn't supposed to happen. Um, anyway, all that to say, you don't, you don't know what this kid's life is going to be like. Maybe he'll be like, oh, I just wanted a normal life. I don't fucking know. I have no idea. Maybe his brothers, half brothers and sisters can raise him. I'm sure he'll be happy. Uh, plenty of people with a mom and a dad, miserable lives. Absolutely miserable. I get it. I get it. My point is the rush to be like, he's fine because he's rich was shocking to me. Um, anyway, I've heard nothing but bad things about Mick Jagger. I've heard he's just such a little cock face. And I just think it's, I think it's really a disheartening message for women. I think I really take it personally when I see elderly men with with women that are like, if I were dating, a 29-year-old person would be, I think, an inappropriate age for me. And this guy is my grand, like could be my grandfather. And I, I think it's a, it's a harmful message. Um, I don't know if men are literally emulating it, but it's this thought of like, oh, you can get women if you have enough fame or money at any age and then it just sort of like devalues women into these and and i i don't like the women that do it but like they do you know but i think from the other point of view it it devalues women to now you're looking at them as just these things that'll i think it makes men very cynical about women it makes me very cynical about men i just don't think it's like a healthy thing to be out there i don't like it i think it's gross and there's way too much of it so but i got crushed that day crushed on twitter but i kept up the tweet because because i'm that's how brave i am um so it brought me to well maybe i should look at my own life what what's going on jen what what's going on with you who who's in your life now who are you dating so as you guys know i went through a breakup two years ago around christmas and it whoo it was a toughie um because in my mind, that was like, I was, this was it. Like, we're done, you know, like, wrap it up. It's my, you know, it's like my ex that I've been on and off with. Like, we're together. We're, it's never ending. I'm not interested in anyone else. And uh, and it didn't work out. Mostly from him, him pulling away and being kind of like, I don't, I don't know. He just doesn't, <clears throat> whether it's me specific or not, he just can't function in a relationship. So, okay, great. So I learned that lesson. We become sort of friends again last year. And I realized I, I can't be friends. This is too much. Like, I'll just never not, you know, it, it, I'm sure there'll be times when I'll just be like, I mean, as as it stands right now, I don't want to be with him. But being friends is too dicey because it's so easy peasy and lovely that it always goes back into like, why aren't we just dating? Like, it's too frustrating. So I really was not interested in anyone else. I, I had to process a lot of like, you know, it's never just about the breakup. What's the deeper things? What's the stuff I've never looked at in my life? Blah, blah, blah. Deep therapy, this, that. Working on stuff. I'm a seeker. So, great. Am I willing to date during this time? I wasn't really. Um, and so, but I was asked out a few times. And I just, I, I find that I'm not interested in that many people. Like, I I had a, um, you know, I had someone uh, try to set me up with their friend and they were like, he's also your age. He never wanted kids. And whenever I meet someone else who never wanted kids, I'm like, they're fucked up. No, thanks. <laughs> I don't know what it is because it's not for me. It was like I just didn't ever have the urge, but it's not like this this I don't know how to explain it but when I meet someone else who's like I never wanted it like I don't want that responsibility I'm like ah I'm not compatible with you in that way it was never about the responsibility for me it was just about I just don't I don't think I can handle it emotionally and I know that that sounds like well then Jen aren't you the more fucked up person than like this person that might be emotionally together but they just don't want the responsibility I don't know what it is maybe I'm projecting but I always get a little freaked out and uh and then if a guy has been single his whole life you know and he's 40. I'm like, I don't know about that. A little suspicious. Again, I've been married. Wouldn't I be the more fucked up person? Like, why couldn't you make your marriage work? But I'm just like judgy, judgy, judgy. And unless there's like that spark, then I'm not interested in investigating. But that spark is 
truly a lot of times, I mean, chemistry is important, but sometimes that spark can mean like um, stranger danger. Like it can mean like there's some kind of like, it, it's actually could be based in like a lot of chaos and anxiety from like your, your early DNA of like whatever your problems are. So it could mean like you're meeting a match of someone who's like actually not a healthy choice for you. They're, they're, they're actually full of chaos and anxiety. So, and your energies are matching. So who knows, right? There's all kinds of, you just have to investigate, you have to date, you have to figure it out. But this like being hit over the head, love at first sight, I'm not interested in that because I, I, I've done that many times and I, I don't make good decisions when I'm in that mode. I'm usually wrong about the person. Um, so, you know, it's like when you take the excitement out of it, it's like, well, then what's the point? And when you're like kind of older and set in your ways, it's like, ugh, you know, And but I don't want to be that. I like, I like actually... I don't like dating apps, but I enjoy dating in the sense that like, I don't mind if I'm not in like a serious relationship. Um, I'm fine to be in one. And I'm also fine. Like if someone said, okay, in 10 years, you're in your fifties and you have a fabulous, as long as I have money and a fabulous life. And that's actually what I'm trying to work on right now. Is like, I don't have like total financial security and I'd like a little more of it. And I'd like, like big, beautiful, exciting jobs. And I'd like to travel and I want to just be a person in the world and like do good things. And so that to me is the most important. And if like a man fits into that amazing and if not, like then I'll probably won't be that happy if I'm not happy. I won't be that happy with a man if I'm not happy with my life. But I realize there's never any perfect life that you can have and then go, okay, now I'm ready for a man. You have to sort of jump into both at the same time. So I'm now like, okay, I don't have everything I want in life, but I'll still strive for it. But okay, I'm open. I'm willing. Like if people want to ask me out, I'll go. And but the thing that I've always suffered is I did really well in my 20s and 30s when I was around other people my age. Um, always the people I liked liked me back. I mean, not always, but like 80% of the time. I got very lucky that way. I knew these people through the comedy scene or through works. And and I just, everyone was properly vetted. And when you're in your 40s, especially if you took yourself out of the game for a couple of years, you're in this like kind of wasteland where it's like... Everyone whose quality is probably taken and everyone whose quality who's not taken, they're not easy to find because they're not out and about sitting at a bar. They may not even be on dating apps and I'll get to that in a second. But like, so you're just kind of like, okay, so I'm like having to work my law of attraction shit and like therapy. I'm having to work it every day to be like, I'm open and willing and the right partners are coming to me and blah, blah, blah. But I, you know, I don't mind if like people are like, let's go to dinner and then you see them three times and then you don't and you move on. All that's fine. Um, I don't find dating annoying. I, I think it's interesting to go out with people and, you know, whatever. But I was at a brunch and I was like, I'm always the only single person. I'm like, how did this happen? Because I was always the one that was always in a relationship, like always, always in one, always for, you know, 20 something years. So now I'm like, I'm the person in their 40s who's single. Like, how did this happen? Not that it's like bad, but it definitely like what I'm learning to deal with. And this is why I'm talking about it on the podcast is I haven't even stopped to look. I haven't even stopped to look at myself and go, what, what's your opinion of this, Jen? I've been in such shame because of the way other people talk about people who are single in their 40s that I've just adapted their shame. And so I don't talk about it. And I just act like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be seen trying. Oh my God, I don't want to be seen trying. I don't want to be seen putting it out there. It's so embarrassing. And so then I realized that in therapy the other day. And I was like, oh, I'm just embarrassed. Because I haven't talked about it in my stand-up. And I used to totally talk about this stuff in my stand-up. But because from a Mick Jagger perspective, I thought my life was cool. I'm divorced. I went on a date with a younger guy. Here's my attitudes about fidelity, marriage, blah, 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 coming at you in leather pants. Beep, boop, boop, boop. I'm so fucking cool. And now I don't feel cool. I feel like very dropped down and very like serene and, and going about my life. And I feel like oh, this is very quiet and private and, and, uh, but people in my life don't know, like I've had to sit down everyone I know and I'll say, I'm willing to date if you know anyone. And I tell people that like, maybe I only see them a few times a year and they're all, oh, you always have such fun stories. I'm like, there's no more stories. There's no more dating. Like, but if you know anyone and usually people are like, I don't know anyone or the people I do know, I wouldn't fucking recommend it. So what I'm thinking is like, I can see why people might look for someone younger because a lot of times 
I mean, like I get it. not 70 years younger than you or 55, but maybe 10, you know? Um, so who knows what's going to happen? But basically this is, this has been my recent, uh, dating experiences is I, uh, I was asked out by someone in September at a party after the Emmys. No big deal, guys. I go to fancy parties. And he was like a friend of someone, like an actor. And we started talking. We were having the best time. Now, I was like not in flirtation mode, but I'm in like a beautiful gown and like make hair and makeup. And it's late at night and people have had drinks. And I'm not in any way thinking of myself as like a woman that men would flirt with. I just completely shut down in that way. And I was just like talking to this guy and we were getting along and he said he was working on a project. And I was like, oh, my God, I know a lot about that subject you're talking about. Um, And it turned out we have mutual friends. I was like, I was like, take my info, like call me if you ever want to or not call me, you know. Dial my rotary landline, but, but, you know, text me, get in touch if you want to talk about the said thing. Now, I knew how old this guy was. He's 10 years younger than me. So I literally was not giving him my number in a give my number way, you know. Um, and then he took my number and he goes, OK, well, now I'm going to use your number to ask you to dinner. And I was like, huh? And I go, oh, no, come on. <laughs> That's not nice. I go, oh, no, no, no. I wasn't doing that. I was like. Oh, no, no, no. And he had just said he he had gotten out of a breakup. He'd gotten out of a thing. And I was like, anyone who dates someone who's young has just gotten out of a thing. And I go, listen, I don't want kids. And he was like, neither do I. And I was like, okay, listen. <laughs> and so then, because that's my deal with younger guys too, is like, you know, they're going to eventually want to have kids. And I'll be like 54 and they'll be like, I changed my mind. Um, so this guy uh, texts me the next day and... I never texted back, ever. I, I was too in my head. I didn't want to get into a thing of like, okay, I'll go on the date with you, but I'm really not interested and blah, blah, blah. The reaction in my own soul was so hysterical. Not hysterical funny, but like I'm in hysterics that I, 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 I don't know what was wrong with me. And I, I'd been thinking about it for months after. And a friend was like, well, maybe it was just like you were ready to date, but it was, you know, not that person. So everyone get on the dating apps. People have been doing this to me for years. I went on them once like six years ago and I was like, this is a shit show. So my friend was like, get on Bumble. The woman chooses. And I'm like, well, I don't want that either. I don't know. So I went on um, and I didn't like it. And because I don't like, like my taste in men is so not, it just runs the gamut. But who I'm not interested in is like a muscular guy holding up a fish on a boat or like a guy skiing. And when I was in New York, I went on the apps for like 48 hours. And I was like, I was expecting like a poet in a cafe with glasses and like reading his books and like sitting there, blah, blah, blah. And I I got none of the like intellectual, like New York guy. It was all like going hard, like extreme sports, like here, here I'm in this photo, like lifting weights. Here I'm in this photo, like skiing. I was like, even the New York guys are doing this? It's like, I don't know what is happening. I don't know what is happening. And I'm not saying they were like toxic or anything. It just was like not my people, you know? These were like, I work hard on the week and then a, the weekend. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, everyone's so basic. But the thing is, I am being forced to objectify men in a way that I don't objectify men. I just don't. I, if I meet you and you're and you're snowboarding and you seem normal, who knows what could happen between us if we met organically, like at a party? You know, I might be like, "Oh my god, it's so funny." I'm not interested in anything you are, but this is the greatest conversation. So my friends were like, "Well, that's what you do on the apps. You you look at these guys that that you would never be interested in, but you ask them out anyway, and you practice dating." I'm like, "Practice dating? I don't need to fucking practice. I just need to find people I'm interested in, but I'm not going to go about it that way. It just it doesn't work for me. You know, I'm not from this generation, and I'm not looking for a quick hookup. And then it's always one of those things that like, it's again, I can't handle it. But I know that men and some women I know feel differently. They love when everybody finds them attractive, even if they don't find that person attractive back. They're like, I still got it. And I'm like, I, my belief on if I still got it is based on how I feel, which I think is very healthy. If 20 guys tell me I'm good looking or, or look this or look that, that doesn't affect how I feel about myself like at all. 
the only thing that would affect how I feel about myself is if someone I liked found me repulsive. I'd be super bummed or super excited. But otherwise, if I'm not interested in you, why do I give a shit what you think about me? Um, and so a lot of people I know get pleasure from going on these apps because they like being asked out. And I, I, when someone really gross asks me out, I'm like horrified and like, what is wrong with everybody? And like, no. So I, I lasted f- literally 24 hours. I hated it. I didn't like it. And I tried a lot of them and I don't want to be on them. So nobody send me recommendations. I will block you. I will kick you out of the atmosphere. <laughs> I will call iTunes and go, they're not allowed to listen to my podcast anymore. The reason I'm telling this story because I'm not on them and never will be. But so what ended up happening is I'm on an airplane and I got this moment where I went, oh my God. Because I, I, I don't, I wasn't even able to watch like romantic comedies like in the last two years because I was just so detached from that stuff and just so like heartbroken and whatever. And, and I think I watched it on the plane and it didn't bother me. And I was like, oh, I think I'm like totally healed. This was like, you know, this was a while ago. And so I sat there on the plane and I was having this just kind of like spiritual moment. And I just said to the universe, I'm open and ready. Um, if you'd like to bring, you know, uh, a ready partner into my life or, you know, a series of possible partners that you can go into, whatever, whatever, whatever the universe wants for me, I'm willing to receive. I'm no longer of the belief that my ex was the perfect person for me. And I'm very happy in my life. And I'm just, I, I am love. And so I just put that out there and I felt so good. Like I, I just felt in my bones. And then I watched the Mr. Rogers documentary and it made me cry. And I tweeted, I'm on a Delta flight and I'm watching the Mr. Rogers documentary and, you know, I'm crying and whatever. And I think then then the person next to me started watching it and they started crying and it was just, it was kind of fun and cool. And uh, so I don't realize this, but when you tweet as a person in the public eye, that you're on a Delta flight, it's pretty easy to find out what flight you're on, especially if they know you live in LA and that's where you're landing. Especially if they know like, oh, you took off from New York. You know, there's only like a few flights per day that could be. So, because it happened to me when I flew into Portland, um, I took a picture of my plane taking off from Burbank. And then when I landed in Portland, there was one of those autograph weirdos that was holding up generic photos of me. And he's like, I'm the biggest fan. And I signed them, I'm like, I'm not, no, I said, I'm not signing these. You're going to sell them on eBay. This has happened to me before. And he's like, and, and again, if that's your eBay business, you should probably shut it down because you're not going to make any fucking money. Like my sister found one of those once and she was like, I think it's going for like a dollar. And I was like, and it's not even going. So that's the shipping is more worth money, worth more money than my autograph. So I said to the guy, he goes, I'm a fan. You're being rude. I go, you're not. I've seen you here before. I go, how'd you know what flight I was going to be on anyway like he was waiting at baggage claim for my flight and then I was like oh right because I posted him at Burbank taking off meanwhile by the way you know those pictures of Lori Laughlin um she's signing autographs before she goes into court and she's smiling is she the dumbest person that ever lived those aren't fans those are those same autograph weirdos they're selling her autograph right now because it would probably be I don't know why it would be worth more but I assume because there's some kind of scandal going on that you know like she screwed all these colleges out of money by her autograph. So, and she's just smiling. And I'm like, this fool thinks th- these are fans. Anyway, so I I have my spiritual moment on the plane where I tell the universe and I'm open and willing for like a great partner. You know, I don't want any scrubs, as the kids say. And no kid says that. That song is 50 years old. But I will take scrubs if you work in a hospital. Thank you. Um, so I get off the plane. And I'm at baggage claim. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, no, I see a guy on the ground. He's like got his bags all around him and he's super scruffy looking and like his hat is dirty. Baseball hat's dirty. And I go, either this is a guy who just got his baggage, but it was weird because the baggage cart was going around, um, but the bags hadn't started loading yet. And I was like, or he's like homeless and like lives in the airport. But I thought he looked like someone I knew, so I just sort of looked at him for longer than normal. And he came up to me and he said, Jen, um, hey, I, we went to college together. And I was like, 
oh, I thought you looked familiar. But I didn't remember him from college. And he was like, yeah, nobody remembers me. I'm not memorable. Right away. Debbie Downer. So I'm waiting for my bags and he's waiting with me. And I'm like, are you, were you on this flight? And he's like, no, no, no. I actually work at TMZ. And I was like, oh. And I go, so did did you come to baggage claim for me? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I just wandered around the airport, but I knew you were on this flight. And I was like, oh my God, he fucking knew I was on this flight because I tweeted it. But I didn't, it's not like I tweeted the flight number, but he figured it out and he must follow me on Twitter. And I go, well, I don't really want to be on TMZ. And he goes, well, do you want to say anything about Trump? It was like, I don't even know, whatever this scandal was six months ago. I go, "Um, eh, okay, fine. Because I saw Billy Eichner, who's very funny and cool. And TMZ caught up with him at the airport and he was like, fuck Trump. And, you know, it went viral. So I was like, you know what? If someone's going to stick a camera in my face and I can say fuck Trump or whatever, like, let's do it. So I said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go back to the office and Harvey Levin's going to be like, I don't know who the fuck that is. We're not airing it, you know. So he just puts a camera in my face and I go, it has to look like you caught me at the airport and I'm walking. Don't make it look like I stood here and wanted to talk to TMZ. And so I'm like walking around with him. Like I'm just walking out of the airport and he puts a camera on and he's like, Jen, blah, blah. And I go, I don't know, Trump sucks. And then I, I get outside with him and I go, you know what? I actually don't think, I, I don't want that up there. Can, can you not do that? And he goes, he goes, here, let me give you my card. Um, And you can contact me if you don't want it up there. And he's like, actually, I came up to you because I saw you on the dating apps. And I was like, oh, no. And he was like, and I was like, I can't believe she's single. And I can't believe she would be on these things. And like, he's like, I was swiping left so hard. I don't know what he's like. I obviously didn't swipe on him. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. I go, well, I'm not single anymore. Thanks. (laughs) It's like it had been like a week earlier, I think. And I was like, he goes, oh, well, good for you. Yeah, you're you're a real catch. And I'm like, why does he think I would date? Like, he literally then was like, I don't have any money. I'm really secretly want to do blank and blank for a living. Like, do you have any leads? I'm like, so you wanted to date someone to, like, get work off them. You're, like, in a dirty hat at the airport. Like, no. No. Like, just no. It just, like, bummed me out. I was like, I just told the universe I'm ready and willing and this is what I'm sent this guy at baggage claim who's like do you have a job also like it just I just said that that was my worst nightmare is someone recognizing me on those things and then like bringing it up in public I was like I am so humiliated and it's like I'm just humiliated about being a human and I'm not ready to take my comedy to that next level and I know that that is part of the reason that I feel so stuck is because I am not willing to go there. I am in my script writing, but not quite in my personal stand-up. And I do think a lot of people in their 40s who are in the same place I am, I'm not hopeless at all. I actually have this feeling that I'm going to be a late bloomer and there's going to be someone like in the next couple years, maybe it's another divorced guy, maybe it is someone who has kids and their kids are 10, like I'm fine with that, you know, whatever it is. Um, And I think that I will meet them in real life because I have my I am always out and about. And I know I'm always talking about I don't like fun. I don't like your standard fun like Coachella. I'm not going to that. And I'm not going to like sit by a pool all day in Las Vegas and be like, but like I do things that are fun, you know, and as we get more heated up in politics, maybe I'll like volunteer for things, whatever it is. So, you know, I know that I'm awesome. I'm I'm not worried that people don't like me I'm just worried they're not available like I'm worried they just like literally don't exist like that that's the problem it's not like a self-esteem thing but um so we'll see you know we'll see what happens but I'm open I'm willing I'm putting it on the podcast I'm putting it in the universe and whatever so but anyway so what I did uh a month a few weeks ago I was like I'm gonna text this guy back (laughs) This is the one that asked me out seven months ago. Just to put, I feel like I keep saying to the universe, I'm totally willing, but I won't take any action. And that's where my friends are like, sorry, but your only choice is the dating apps. And I'm like, it isn't. Or online dating. I'm like, it can't be. If it is, then stop the world I'm getting off. So I texted the guy back and I I don't know what I said. But I didn't like, not overly creepy or not like dating. But I was like, hey, do you want to go do this activity sometime? It wasn't like a datey thing, like a dinner. And he was like, I don't know why I'm hiding what the activity is, but for some reason I'm keeping it private. It's nothing weird. 
It was more like kind of a sporty activity. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to. And, you know, he wrote back like a day later. So I was like, maybe next week. So we made plans. Oh, let's check our work schedules. And then like I checked in and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm totally free Friday. And he was like, oh, I'm working. And he's like, but, you know, at some point we'll get together. And then I haven't heard back. So I'm like, oh, okay, so, so this date is not happening. But I think, no, obviously the guy is like a young good looking guy is like probably has a girlfriend by now or whatever. And I'm, I'm so not offended. And, and there would have been a time when that would have like floored me and made me feel depressed. And, and I was like, well, I don't know this person, but it was just about putting the energy out there. And when I did text him, I felt really awesome. I felt open. I felt like I'm, it was like my life went from black and white to color, nothing to do with him. It was just like putting that action out there made me feel like a lady in the world. And I felt really good and cool and I just felt a lot of positivity and a lot of like, okay, things are things are moving and shaking. I just have to like, I have to release this feeling that I'm stuck. How does how does that sound? So this is where the inspiration comes in. Is that I uh, I had a realization. Well, let me read this listener email first, and then I'll tell you my my realizations. Uh. Jen, it's the apocalypse. And by that, I mean my mom just moved in with me. I'm a 30-year-old single mom with depression, ADD, and a few odd OCD-like obsessions. But I am an elder millennial. Is 30 elder millennial? I don't think it is. Who remembers a life... Well, I guess it is. You you, you do you. But I'm going to say it's not. Who remembers a life with dial-up and without cell phones. And I was raised by young Gen X parents. It's mostly the latter that I think for my healthy skepticism, self-awareness, and willingness to do the work. All that to say, I came home today and stood in the doorway in shock at the pile of boxes in my usually cozy but sparse living room. It's real. My mom is staying with me for a few weeks while she looks for a new apartment. She had a bad breakup and moved out with no choice. I can't believe I'm an adult in this situation. I can't believe I'm an adult. I raised my child myself while going back to school, then getting into a career I've been enjoying for going on seven years. Well, that's awesome. I've learned to be broke. I've learned how to manage having a little money. I've made all the basic mistakes, and now I'm in a position to be a safe harbor for someone else. And I think I got here largely thanks to my now in their late 40s parents. So listen up, fellow millennials. Gen Xers are just who we need to lead us through the end of the world. Spread the word. So... What I liked about this email was that, like, I can't believe I'm an adult. I can't believe I'm an adult in this situation. That's how I feel constantly. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Every once in a while, I take stock. So right now, in the first quarter of the year, I'm taking stock. How is my year so far? And I was complaining in therapy the other day. I'm not receiving anything. I've done so much work on myself. I've done so much professional work. Why, why aren't they giving me another Netflix special? Why this? Why that? I just want to receive. And there was just a quiet in the room for a minute. And what I realized is, what if I'm already receiving and I'm not fucking seeing it? What if I am blocking the receiving? What do I mean by receiving? Do I have a fantasy of what's going to make my life great suddenly? And am I hooked on that fantasy when I know full well that every single job I've had would never have been one I dreamt up for myself? When I so desperately wanted to be on Daily Show and Chelsea lately came around and I poo-pooed it going, this show is stupid. It's about pop culture. Well, I took the job and it gave me a career. It gave me my touring career. And then when Comedy Central wouldn't give me a special and I was like, if I don't have a Comedy Central special, I, I will cease to exist. And then... Netflix came around and it gave me an international career. And now Netflix is like, mm, I don't think we're going to give you another one. And now I don't have like a steady, steady job. And I'm like, I'm not receiving anything. It's like, maybe it's only been four months since I made this life choice to stay in Los Angeles and to work on some things and to regroup. And I'm pitching, I'm currently writing two TV show pitches. I'm writing a book pitch. Nobody said no. People are interested in working with me on all of them. I have a great book agent. I'm producers I'm working with on these pitches. Maybe in my mind, I'm like, it's not going to work. And I realize, oh, okay, so let's secretly play the tape running in my head. I'm secretly thinking it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. This is too much work. I shouldn't have to be doing this much work at this age. I shouldn't have to be doing this much work at this point in my career. And it's like, who said? Who said? Are you comparing yourself to the five people that had a weird meteor, meteor rise and they're you know flying around in private jets? You can't compare yourself to them because it most likely won't look that way. And I went, oh my God. And I just, I literally started to cry. I was like, I am receiving. What if I really am? And I just don't see the results yet. Or what if they were like, where's the joy in this? Isn't this what I do for a living because it's joyful? And I'm like, well, it can't be joyful because I'm stressed right now. And I don't know how much money I'm going to make this year. And money's tight. Okay. Can you have joy? Well, oh, yes. 
fine. And ever since I decided to approach everything I'm doing with the joy that I had when I would sit at my day job and go, oh my God, I can't wait to get on stage tonight. Even though I'm not getting paid, it's like what I love. And now it's like, I, I need to, I need the joy in what I do. I need the joy. Um, as I write this pitch, I need to be excited about it. Even if it doesn't go, it's not, that's not the point. It's like, Joy attracts things into your life. It attracts more joy. I can't go through these things with my head down like a, like a pile of stone going, I'm working so hard. I have to loosen the fuck up. I have to calm down. What if there already is joy? And what if my quarterly check-in for the year is that everything, that's an attractive sound, is that everything is just getting going and not, well, this is a sign of things to come these four months so far. You know, it's like the way that people reacted to Notre Dame burning. It was like, well, this is foreboding. And it's like, nah, trust me, I think it is. But it's like, yeah, but sometimes it's just a building catches on fire. You know, like sometimes it's just what it is. And sometimes right now I just feel stuck. Don't I know not to trust my feelings. Am I stuck? I don't think anyone who looks at me would say that. And that's I do that a lot. I argue with people who tell me what they see in me. I go, no, no, you don't get it. And I'm trying to get them to feel the way about myself that I do. And it's really got to be the other way around. I've got to take, I got to take some um, cues from people who tell me how they feel about me. And I've got to go, you know, they're probably right. I am, I am doing all these things and it is great. I'm just mad because I want everything to be easy and solved in one fell swoop, as they say. I just want to put my tickets on sale, not have to do any press, not have to promote. I want it to sell out. I want to make millions of dollars. I want to put it in the bank. I want to buy a home. I want to take care of my family. And I want to have no worries. That's all. Is that too much to ask? And when my life isn't that, I'm like, well, everything's terrible. Like there's no in between. I get so black and white. And it really is unfortunate. It's like, I, I need to have that I just got told I have 10 days to live perspective. And I don't mean so I can run around and YOLO and take drugs. I mean, so that I can really get back into the appreciation. Because when things are hard, we get stressed and we do get depressed. Like we actually get a dose of clinical depression. And we have to, if if we can, think about what if I am already receiving. And I like to think the universe had a sense of humor. That's why they put a dirty guy with a dirty hat sitting on the floor. <laughs> at the airport. It's like, it's just more things for me to laugh about. Um, So I hope that was helpful and inspiring to anybody. If it wasn't, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's a comedian's fucking podcast, but I will tell you this. Let us, let us listen for me as I talk right now. Oh, the other thing I realized, I've always say this, I never used to say I'm an old soul, but I'd be like, I'm not young. I don't know what's going on. And it's like, okay, I may not be at Coachella and I don't really understand what it is. I mean, I do. The thought of like driving to the desert and parking and the whole rigmarole and outhouses doesn't interest me. Does that mean I'm old? No, it just means that doesn't interest me. That didn't interest me when I was young. And I had a realization the other day is I'm actually not an old soul. I'm a young soul and I look young and I feel young I'm just not interested in certain bullshit, but that has nothing to do with age or old soul. Like there's this notion that like old, you know, it's like maybe I am Mick Jagger, except I'm not going to have a kid at 72. And I realize I'm going to approach the rest of my year from that mantra. I'm actually a young soul because I really am. I'm like, I'm, I travel for a living. I don't have kids. I'm kind of strange. I don't know how to dress for my age. I'm, I'm, I'm like a kid. And I think it's a beautiful thing to celebrate. So no more of this. I'm old shit. It's like I'm from a different generation. I'm different. I'm not old. I'm a young soul. So take that what you will. And I always have been. I've just been my own kind of youth. So we'll end the podcast right now with me reminding you that tickets are on sale right now for this week. I am in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Um, the 20, whatever the dates are, just go to my website, jenkirkman.com. You don't even have to click tour anymore. Put it right on the homepage. Los Angeles, I need you guys to sell out my really awesome storytelling show on April 30th. We're going to have old friend of the show. Tammy is going to be there. We interviewed her on an episode of 
Uh, they seem fun. She's super fucking cool. It's going to be a really fun show. April 30th, 7.30, Hollywood Improv Lab. Full bar. Come have a drink. Just It's the cool thing that like you're supposed to be excited about. That's like why you live in L.A. is like your favorite comedians do new stuff for you. Um, it's not stuff you've heard on the podcast, and it's not stuff you've heard of my stand-up. So get out there. There's about 50 seats left. Salt Lake City. And the place holds 50, so that's not great odds right now. I think I've sold like 10 tickets. The fuck's going on? It used to sell it every month, so let's do it. Let's infuse some joy up in here. Salt Lake City in May. St. Louis, Kansas City, Omaha, all of those are in May. Please come see me. I'm doing book sellings and signings. Personally, after every show, there's no extra fee. You just have to buy a book. And uh, I mean, you don't have to, but like if you want to get in the line, you do. And then I'm doing all new stuff at all the shows. You haven't seen it before. Milwaukee, Minneapolis in August. People are complaining that uh, it's nice out and we don't want to go inside. I'm sure my fans, after 8 o'clock, you can come inside. I know the sun is still out, but just come inside. There's mosquitoes. Come inside. we got air conditioning. we got new material. There's beer. You'll have a good time. Nashville, Birmingham, Alabama, 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 Nashville, Birmingham, Alabama, and Athens, Georgia are all happening in August. I like to be in the heat, apparently, and Brooklyn and Boston in September. More news coming soon on Toronto, more Texas dates and a few more Midwest dates and London and other things will be coming this year. Just go to jenkirkman.com, and that is also where you can sign up for my newsletter, and that's where you'll know where I'm coming. Blah, 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 blah. So, everybody, what did we learn in this episode? How is your year? Think about it. Until next week, have fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.